the Tom Sumner Program. Old Fashioned Radio for a New Generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Not an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm alright, Tom. How are you? Lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program, old-fashioned radio for a new generation. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to The Tom Sumner Show. Ladies and gentlemen, in Philip Rapp's creation, The Bickersons. What's what's the matter? All right, all right. Blanche, Blanche. I'm putting a ribbon in my hair. Where are you going? I'm not going anywhere. I just thought I'd like to look nice this morning. Why? I knew you'd forget. You don't even know what day this is. I do, too. It's rent day. It is not. Today happens to be our wedding anniversary. Well, I knew it was a sad occasion of some kind. What kind of a remark is that? That's supposed to be funny. No, it isn't supposed to be funny, Blanche. I'm just groggy, that's all. I'm sorry. I knew you'd forget. I didn't forget it. So why didn't you say something? Blanche, I just opened my eyes. You forgot it. I tell you, I didn't forget it. But even if I did, you'd remind me of it. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Is that all? No plans? We've been married eight years. Don't you want to do something? No, it's too late to do anything. It's sad about you. How you suffer. I didn't get such a bargain, you know. Okay, okay. There's better fish in the ocean than the one I caught. There's better bait, too. I'm serious. Okay, I'm sorry. You hack away at me in the morning and I'm so exhausted, I don't know what I'm saying. You wouldn't be so exhausted if you went to bed at a reasonable hour. I had to work overtime. Pour me some coffee. Get paid? I'll get paid. What time did you get home? 12.30. If you got home at 12.30, why were you so long getting into bed? I know for a fact you didn't come to bed until almost 2. I was in the kitchen putting the stuff away. What stuff? What's the matter, Blanche? You told me to bring stuff home for the party tonight. You invited a lot of your crumb friends and you told me to bring stuff, so I brought stuff. Did you bring the potatoes for the potatoes? salad. I brought potatoes. Did you pair them? I paired them. All of them? All except one. He had a big knob on top and I couldn't find a mate for him. I meant... I know what you meant, Blanche. I even boiled them last night. Where are my pants? Who stole my pants? Nobody stole your pants. I just looked in the wastebasket and they're not there. My shoes are missing from the sink. Don't be silly, John. Your pants are on a hanger in the closet and your shoes are in the shoe rack. How'd they get there? I put them there. Well, I wish you'd quit throwing my things around like that. (laughs) Gotta get them or I'll be late. You won't be late. Here are your pants. Thanks. Blanche, these aren't my pants. They're not? Then whose pants are they? That's a good question, only I should be asking. Don't be so snug. They were baggy, so I pressed them. 
baggy. Took me an hour to find the right crease. Be careful you don't wrinkle them now. What's the difference? I like my pants to look lived in. You're dragging the tops on the floor. Hold your trouser leg with your left hand, then step in with your right foot. Blanche, I've been putting on my own pants for over 40 years, and I don't need you to be the foreman of it. Which one? It doesn't matter. I want to use it for a belt. My suspenders are broken. Why don't you wear your belt? I'm using it to keep the soles from falling off my shoes. John Fitterson, you know you're just... I know it. I know I haven't got a belt. Where's my shirt? Where did you hide my shirt? I didn't hide it anywhere. Well, where is it? I draped it around the canary's cage so he could sleep. Is my shirt the only rag you could find to cover the bird's cage with? Hasn't hurt anything, has it? No, but I don't like the way that bird pokes into my pockets. Every time I take a cigarette out, I'm smoking bird seed. Why do you have to cover the cage anyway? The canary is sensitive to light. Well, get him a pair of sunglasses. Leave my shirt alone. No bird's going to sleep later than I do. Ah, shut up. John, why must you be so mean on our anniversary? Blanche, I'm not mean. I'm worried. Business is bad. My job is hanging by a thread. You never should have quit your other job. You made me quit. You said it wasn't dignified selling bowling balls. You were embarrassed to answer when people asked you what your husband sold. Well, it sounded like it was trying to start a fight. That's no problem for you. I gotta go. Here, and don't forget your samples. I won't forget. This darn vacuum cleaner gets heavier every day. Straighten this hose around my neck, will you, Blanche? There, there. Now, got everything? I think so. No, wait a minute. You got any money? Well, there's 50 cents in the sugar bowl. 50 cents? You can bring me the change when you come home. Now listen, Blanche, something's got to be done about this. I can't go down to work like a pauper every day. A man's got to have a couple dollars in his pocket. Now don't yell at me. I don't mind going with torn clothes and holes in my socks, but I'm not going to suffer through those lunches anymore. What's the matter with your lunches? You ought to know. You pack them for me. I'm just getting sick of carrying my lunch to work in a paper sack. Why can't I go to the restaurant like the other fellas? John, what are you talking about? I haven't fixed your lunch for two years. Oh, Blanche, every morning of my life I find my lunch wrapped in brown paper on the side of the sink. John, that's the garbage. Goodbye, Blanche. Goodbye, dear. Happy anniversary. And welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program, and my guest this hour is an author, motivational speaker, therapist, and mindfulness expert. She has a uh, a new book. It's called Creating Real Happiness, A to Z. Her name is Stephanie Grace. She joins me by phone. Good morning, Stephanie. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Um, let me add... <laughs> I, you know, whenever I see a phrase like creating real happiness, it always makes me wonder about the other side of the coin. Is there an unreal happiness? I believe that, that there is, yeah. And that is the reason why I titled my book Creating Real Happiness, because I believe um, through my work, with working with a lot of people, that... There's many humans that are walking around 
chasing external things or believing that external things will bring them happiness. Like um, if I find the right relationship or if I get this promotion or I have that house or that neighborhood I want to live in, you know, thinking that those things might bring them happiness. But what they find is that they're constantly thinking because nothing external, um, you know, is, is really going to, um, create real happiness because it's not sustainable is that you know all those things can can go away right how are they allowing themselves to put those goals those things that they chase um at the forefront of of what they think will make them happy how are they allowing that? Um, yeah, is that is is that an external? Um, is it because other people say that that's what'll make you happy, or is it something you believe from something you read or heard? Um, how how do we know what things will make us really happy versus those things we think will make us happy? Yeah, and and so you know, most I'm having like, a tough time from, asking this question, and I, I, I don't know why. I I can't seem to get a handle <laughs> on a real simple way to say, um, why do we chase things that are unreal happiness instead of real happiness, and how do we know the difference? Yeah, good. Um, well, the the thing is, is that it, it's you know a a lot to do. With, with our conditioning. And so, you know, what happens is when we're, we're born, we, we're sort of a blank slate and we, we are all equally worthy of love and acceptance and all that we desire in the world. But what happens is that we begin to get conditioning from our parents in the outside world and that begins to form our ideas of, of ourselves and how to show up in the world. So we start to learn like, oh, the, the kinds of things that, you know, might allow us to get our needs met or might allow us to be accepted or, you know, those different things. And, and it comes from, you know, how we're, we're taught and the needs that are accepted or not. And so what happens from this whole conditioning process is that we sort of lose perspective or lose um, what our truth really is because we begin to identify with these, this conditioning that we're getting from our parents and the world about, you know, how we need to act or show up in the world in order to get our needs met. And so if we flash forward to like your question, it's like most adults are walking around kind of in this conditioning thinking that, oh, you know, if I, you know, like I was saying, these external things, if I have the right relationship, if I have the right job, that will make me, me happy. And they might, they're not, might not even be aware that they have something beyond that conditioning, that within themselves they have the truth of who they really are that they are love and and worthy of love and acceptance without ever doing anything external or any of those external things and so it's like for people to come to real happiness they have to begin to have a relationship with their 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 true selves and begin to know that they can give themselves everything that it is they need that it doesn't have to come from anything external and nothing external determines their worth or lovability and when people find that then their happiness is sustainable and it's no longer fleeting because they're chasing something external <laughs> yes yeah, ever ever since i was 
I don't know, in single-digit age, I have wanted a 1962 Rolls-Royce. <laughs> and I will never have one. But it doesn't trouble me all that much because I know if I did have one, it it wouldn't be the big deal that I think it is. Yeah, yeah. It it, it wouldn't it wouldn't uh, probably change a whole lot other than for a moment you'd be like, "Woo, cool! I have this awesome, amazing car." <laughs> oh, I think it'd be more than a moment. <laughs> I think it'd be a okay. lot of moments. But a lot every time you saw it, every time you saw it, it would bring you joy. <laughs> that's that's probably true, and and certainly every time I drove it. But but I know that there would be a certain amount of letdown after the initial, hey, I got it. Um, mm-hmm. And and I've experienced that a little bit. Um, but I don't always know how to replace it with something more genuine. Mm. Yeah. Does that yeah. make sense? Um, yeah, so you, you notice that, like, you know... For, for our listeners, it could be like somebody could have a different thing where like they think, oh, when I get this relationship, uh, I think that's going to do it for me. But then they have the relationship and they're like, huh, why am I, I still not? Why am I still not happy or why don't I feel fulfilled like I thought I was going to? Well, I they think spend 30 what, years at a company and work their way up to CEO and they're miserable. Yeah. Yeah. Because the thing is, is that that person who gets that position, you know, the CEO position, they think that that is determining their their worth in some way. And when they, they reach that position, they get there and they realize, oh, I, I don't feel any different. In fact, that maybe I feel worse. It's because nothing external can, can define you or determine your, your worth. It's like, you know, the thing is, is that that CEO could lose their job tomorrow, and then what happens to their worth? Then they're in trouble. So, you know, so that's why we have to learn to develop a relationship with ourselves. It's essentially, you know, learning how to be our own best friend or learning how to be our ideal partner and show up for ourselves in terms of whatever it is that we need, No, helping ourselves to know that we are truly lovable and worthy despite anything external and then we when we have that then we 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 are not so affected by external things can you accomplish those things you set out to accomplish discover they weren't all that you believed them to be and still go back and and find who you are or have you just missed the road altogether. You definitely didn't miss the road altogether. And I think you can have both at the same time. So the thing is, is that, you know, we can be very successful and have goals and expectations for ourselves and still know who we are and know, you know, that those things don't get to ultimately define us. And that's when we're most powerful, right? So it's like we have goals and expectations, but we have to know that life is ever changing. And so it's probably not going to go how we, we expect or want it to. And so it's like, we can have these goals and expectations, but, but we, we aren't attached to them. And then that allows us to sort of move through life in a, in a way where we can adapt and accept 
things as they come. And that allows us to, to be, you know, successful and, and move through life in a way that we're able to maintain our happiness. More with therapist and author Stephanie Grace straight ahead. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom. This is my favorite interview always. You, you, <laughs> it's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed! It's a robocall! Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. 
Well, at least they call. No, I get it, you're busy. But you know, Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to Tom Sumner. More with therapist and author Stephanie Grace straight ahead. Is there is is there a model, a, a formula for for having both? Because we're typically taught, Stephanie, that we have to go all in to get those things that we're trying to do, to work our way up to be CEO of the company or, you know, to make a million dollars or, you know, whatever it is that we set as that goal. You know, we're told, even even running our own business, something personal that we want to do, we're told that we have to go all in and that we spend all our time working toward that. Is there is there a, a a formula like yeah you got to go all in but you got to take out ten percent or fifteen percent and spend it you know just figuring out who the real you are. Yeah, well, that's the key. What you just said is that you know the part when you were asking me the question about you know, what we're supposed to do or, you know, how we're supposed to go all in or it has to look this way, that's conditioning, right? Oh, I know, but and, that's but that's what we're told and we try to yeah. and we try to embrace that and we try to tell ourselves that and we convince ourselves just, you know, put your nose to the grindstone a little bit more and, you know, you'll get those things you want. And and so we work really hard at that. And and I guess what I'm saying is 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 there a way to set up some sort of formula where we can put that effort and energy in that we believe will make a difference and still be true to ourselves and and spend some time working on that how do we how do we manage it's it's it becomes a time management thing almost yeah it certainly can be i think that it's really about getting to to know your your true self, and it's like once you you get to know your your truth, you know, not your conditioning, then it doesn't matter about any of the expectations or the conditioning because you're following what feels true to you. So, like how you're successful and you know staying connected to your truth and being truly happy is by honoring what is really true to you and not coming from your con- your conditioning or external circumstances, so, you know, like um, external expectations. So it's like, you know, an example of that is like you, you, you come to know yourself through things like, for example, like beginning meditation and knowing who you, you are and what really truly lights you up and what your, your, your passion is and you begin to follow that. And then if your goal is to be, CEO or own your own business, it's like, well, that is my my passion and it lights me up and I don't care how hard I have to work because that's my truth and, and it feels right to me versus somebody feeling like, 
okay, I, I feel like to be successful, I have to have this job or I have to do this and that will make me, you know, worthy in my, you know, community or with my family. So that that's the that's a different thing in terms of if it's not coming from their truth, it feels like they have to do it because of societal expectations, then then they, you know, they might end up feeling empty or burnt out or not like it's fulfilling them, right? Is it... That answer? <laughs> well, yes and no. Um, I, I, I guess what I'm wondering is, is I, I'm somebody who works hard and I enjoy the work I do and I feel like the journey is just as important as the goal and all the things I've read and, you know, been taught to believe in, in, in terms of being true to myself and pursuing the Mm -hmm. things that, you know, I will find the most rewarding. Um, and, and yet that, that, that real happiness, that pure Mm -hmm. happiness, um, I, I feel like it still eludes me. Hmm. Yeah. And and so well, I'm, but, I'm trying to figure out because, you know, it, it doesn't matter if I take two weeks off a year or six weeks off a year and I go to, you know, to, to meditate and I'm going to come back and it's going to be, you know, the new me. It isn't. I, I get back from a vacation and I need to rest up from my vacation. It's... um. Mm-hmm. You know, because I I put myself into everything so hard, I'm not sure how to turn that off. Yeah. Does that yeah. does that make sense? I I don't mean to be so difficult, and I'm I'm not I'm not trying to. No, I, put I you love on the it. Spot. I I love your your questions, and I I think they're great questions. Um, well, you know, if, what I would say to you is that I would I would I would need more information because I would want to understand you know, more of what's happening. Like if you were my client, I would, I would want to begin to understand more about your, your conditioning. So like what your experiences have been like and what's happening in your mind, because remember that our thoughts and you know, what, what's going on in our mind all the time creates our reality, right? And so if you think about this in the sense of like, here's an example, somebody who focuses on, focuses on what isn't working in their life or, or, you know, what might go wrong, their reality or their perspective in the world is going to to feel that way. It's going to feel hard and like nothing's working. If we shift that toward, you know, what is working, how I want things to go, being open to that, trusting that it will happen even if it isn't, that gives somebody a much different perspective. So my question would be, you know, wanting to understand more of what, what's happening in your mind. What kind of conditioning are you happen, having for yourself? Because that's determining you know, your, your level of happiness in your life or your fulfillment. So we would, we would kind of want to investigate that a, a little bit for you, you know. Yeah, it's, I, I, I find it really puzzling. And I talk to a lot of people who have written books and have great ideas and great suggestions and they've studied what makes people um, happy, successful, um, you know, able to find love, uh, you know, all of those things. Um, win the lottery, whatever. Um, (laughs) But I find in my own personal life that there are things that I find extremely rewarding for which I can never seem to make a living and things that make me a living that don't make me very happy. 
And I find myself mm-hmm. really frustrated by that. And and I feel fortunate because I have a lot of skills. There are a lot of different things I can do, and I do different things. And, you know, I'm not bored or depressed or anything. But but it But it is a little bit exasperating. Mm. And and so yeah, well, so I'm trying okay. to find out if there, you know, if if there is a uh, a, a magic moment, a a place that you look, a certain star to guide you, <laughs> you know, in order to, you know, find some some light bulb that goes off when you've achieve total consciousness or whatever the goal is. Yeah, well, um, I I do think when you are connected to your truth, you know, and I believe that, you know, we are all divine beings. And I think that when you're connected to that, it is sort of in a way like a a light bulb, knowing your truth, and it is peace. And um, you know that nothing else really matters in the sense but you know in terms of what you were asking me about how sometimes i mean what you notice is that there are things that bring you joy that you don't feel you can make money at and things that don't bring you joy that you can my my question would be to explore a little bit more around like the things that bring you joy and not making money at it what's getting in your way my my thinking would be like there might be a part of you that believes it's not possible and and there might be things that are hindering you being able to make money doing what you want. Because I have a belief that anything is possible. And I think that we can make money by following our, our, our passion. You know, it's just kind of a matter of finding out what's in your, what's in your way. <laughs> I, I don't want to sound like Charlie Brown, <laughs> Stephanie, <laughs> because I, I believe everything is possible too. I just seem to be spending my life proving that that isn't true. <laughs> well, there you go right there. Even just with that thought though, don't you think it's like, I, I don't know. I mean, it's an interesting thing. It, you know, our thinking is so powerful. Our The way that we think and what we believe really does create our reality. So, I mean, it'd be an interesting thing for you to just take that away and begin to explore, well, what are my thoughts actually about making money, doing what I really love? If I sit and really think about it or I begin, like, journaling, like, free-flowing the thoughts that come out around me, believing that I can do what I want with the things that truly bring me joy, what is it that your mind is thinking? Is your mind like, yes! You know, like completely in favor. Here's the step, to, or is your mind kind of like, no, that you know, that could never work. That here's this hurdle. Here's that hurdle. I mean, it'd be interesting to see what's happening in there. Yeah, I'd like to to pick that apart a little bit because the way I've got it figured is that you know, I I really like the the substance and form part of of what I do, but the money part doesn't appeal to me. Mm. And so, you know, I, I I never seem to put the kind of energy and skills that, you know, I have into the part that generates revenue. And it, it's, it's a fly. I know I have. And, you know, I've wrestled with it forever. But, um, but, but I just thought it'd be interesting to see, you know, what someone who is considerably more enlightened than I am would uh, would suggest. 
Yeah, well, what do you mean when you say to me that you, um, you I can't remember exactly what your words are, but you said something like the money part doesn't interest you or, you you know, tell me what that means when you say say that. Like, you you know, you enjoy these things, but the money part, how many yeah, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not good at negotiating salary. I'm not good at doing sales at the things that generate the money that comes in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so right there, that would be one way to shift it is just like already telling yourself that you're, you're not good at, at those things. Right. And so it's like shifting toward like, you want to be good at those things or asking the question, how, how can I be, where are my strengths in terms of bringing in money or income in terms of me doing what it is that I want to do. So that just kind of shifting that a little bit opens up possibility for you in terms of money. You know, we want to be careful about what we say about ourselves and just right when we are taking on the belief that I'm not good at something, already you sort of shut the door on on that. Well, that's true. And and that's and that's at the heart of the kinds of questions I ask about you know, is there a formula? Is there a template? Is there a guiding star? How do I, how do I change the voice in my head to stop mm-hmm. saying that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the first step would be, I think, beginning to, uh, you know, understand what, what is happening. So we, we can break it down. So like, for example, if you, if you want to, you have a goal, you're like, okay, I want to make more money doing what it is that I love. We have that there. Then the process for you would begin to explore like, okay, what am I believing? You you know, we already know that you're telling me that, okay, I know that I've had some thinking here around the money piece that is holding me back. So you can begin to explore, well, how do I want to feel like this? What do I want it to be like? And so you can begin to shift your, your thinking and begin to write down like, okay, well, I, I want to be able to make a lot of money doing this. I want to be, I, I want to help myself to know I am good at doing this. And so you can begin to shift your thinking toward being open to that and toward creating that. And so whenever you catch it, you can even create maybe like some, some mantras or different things like that. And whenever you catch yourself in that way of thinking, you can begin to, to shift it. And, I mean, there's very small things that you can do, you know, that even have nothing to do specifically with that that will just help you to become more open to life, more hopeful. So one example is gratefulness practice, or if people don't like the word grateful, they can use what's working practice. And what that is is just every day you begin focusing on what's working in your life. And what happens from that is it begins to make you feel lovable. It begins to make you feel worthy. It begins to make you feel hopeful that you can have what you want because you're focusing on what's already working in your life, what you're, you're grateful for. And, and that makes you feel good in your body and makes you want to, you, you instantly can begin to create more of that. And so just that way of thinking, that exercise that you're putting in daily will help you with beginning to shift what you and I were just talking about, shifting your thinking toward, I'm not good at this. I, I can't do this toward, oh, yeah, I want to shift to being open to, you know, 
that I I can make this happen because you know so it, it helps you in terms of that practice as well because you're you're doing this exercise where you're more open to things working for you you're more hopeful and you're feeling good about the things that are working. You know that was so illuminating, Stephanie. That I think two more sessions like this and I'm going to be cured. <laughs> um, but in the meantime. Um, Let's talk about your book and how your book helps people go through this process. And what do you hear from people, from clients that that you consult with? Um, What is the thing that gets in most people's way on their way to true self and true happiness? Oh, I think conditioning is is the biggest thing that get, gets in people's way. You know, what my definition of happiness is freedom from the, the conditioned mind. And so my book, Creating Real Happiness A to Z, is about helping helping people in a very easy, gentle way because my book is, is very small and short and it's broken up into, you know, this A to Z format. So it's like people can take this in small little bites and and begin practicing taking steps toward getting to know themselves and their true self and be beginning to move away from their conditioning because that's the piece I think that keeps people from from being happy so helping people to even understand the difference between their true selves and their conditioning and then you know the ex- all the exercises that are included in my book help people you know begin to um, see different practices that they can put in their life like the one I just gave you of gratitude practice that they can practice and see how it is for them if it resonates for them then maybe they'll adopt some of these practices and make them part of their everyday life, which will really help them move more toward where they want to be in terms of knowing their true selves and creating real, real happiness. Is this, is this your first book? It is. Yeah. I I couldn't tell for sure. I was going to ask if there were others. Will there be others? Well, I'm thinking of something right now, actually. I've been kind of playing around with something. Yeah, it's, you know, it's fun. I've been enjoying the process. And, yeah, so I think I will I will end up writing something else for sure. I yeah. always wonder when somebody, uh, writing a book is no small challenge. It, it takes a lot of time and a lot of work. But it's often very enjoyable and very therapeutic depending on the subject matter and so on and and so i always wonder when somebody's written a book especially their first book if they get to the end and think but wait there's more and and <laughs> and just and and just feel like they have the bug and and i'm you know sort of asking that of you yeah i definitely have the bug you know um i think my mission is really reaching more people and 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 being able to help as many people as possible. And so, you know, a book is a nice way to be able to to reach more people and to get to have these amazing conversations like I'm getting to have with you. You know, it's just, and I love that sort of thing. It's just so fun to get to talk about your your passion and, and to, you know, have other people listening and maybe it's sparking inspiration or something in them. And so that that's the fun part of it. Well, I got to tell you, I am... Uh... I, I can't believe how fast the time has gone, and I, I, I feel like I have a better handle on things. 
<laughs> Although I'm prob- probably exaggerating about some of my problems, but um, but but it, it is good to talk with someone, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it's helpful. You know, it's helpful to have an outside perspective, especially somebody who has experience or knowledge who can maybe give you information or a different perspective that might help you to begin to go where you need to go, you know, just open your eyes to a different way of looking at things or practicing things. Well, Stephanie, we're almost out of time, but I always want to give um, guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about what we've been talking about and about you and the book and your work, past, present, and hopefully future. Um, Do you have a website you'd like to share? I do, yeah. My website is... Um, stephaniegrace.com and Stephanie does not have an E on the end so it's just S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I Grace is G-R-A-C-E so stephaniegrace.com and then my Instagram is also Stephanie you can just search for Stephanie Grace with no E at the end as well and those are probably my two main my main ways that you can get in touch with me or check out what I'm doing well Stephanie Thanks so much for spending this time with me and the listeners this morning and, and with me in particular. I, I, I feel better now. A couple, Good. Well, cu- thank you. A <laughs> couple more sessions and, you know, I, I, I think I'm going to have it licked. <laughs> I think so, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed getting to spend some time talking with you. All right. Well, Stephanie, keep up the good work. <laughs> I will. Thank you. That was uh, Stephanie Grace, state-licensed and board-certified professional counselor with more than 20 years of experience counseling individuals and couples using her unique blend of psychology and spirituality. The name of the book is uh, Creating Real Happiness, A to Z. And we'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight comes along that's spreading like a plague and POTUS and his lackeys have been nothing if not vague. Well then you've got to trust the CDC and listen well unless you want to bid our free society farewell. There is a super bad transmittable contagious awful virus and if we don't act quick and social distance it will mire us in a stretch of quarantine that lasts until July a super bad transmittable contagious awful virus and if you got a better cough in your arm and if you got a better <coughs> now back in 1918 influenza had its run but half the docks were busy overseas with world war one today we have mass media and scientists to say if you don't want this virus well then stay six feet away super damn important that we practice isolation because we are asymptomatic while it's an incubation will overwhelm our hospitals if there's not mitigation it's super damn important that we practice isolation if we don't do it then we're all gonna die if we don't do it then we're all gonna die and so i hope at last you'll take this lesson here to heart because it's already scary and we're only at the start if you get bored just think of the immunocompromised who can't go much of anywhere unless it's sterilized oh 
contagious, awful virus. If we don't act quick and social distance, it will mire us. In a stretch of quarantine, the last until July, a super bad transmittable. Super bad transmittable, contagious, awful virus. Super bad transmittable, contagious, awful virus. This is the Unknown Comic, and guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now, and now too, and even now. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 15th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMeg. Flint Community School. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Weiscarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Long Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan, Quiplet Technology, Mark Community College, Pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to Tom at TomSumnerProgram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, the hugger and see her on her birthday. You know, I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Do you ever feel like you need an attitude adjustment? Are you wishing there was a magic pill or a new app for your mobile device? Why don't you try live local music? Music can make you dance, bring back fond memories, inspire you to be more creative, whether you attend a child's school concert or recital. Go to a local symphony concert, Visit local bars and restaurants that feature dance music, sing-along piano, or jazz and blues. Music could be just what you're looking for. Supporting live local music is more than a way to support your local artists and economy. It's a great way to improve your own quality of life. Support live local music. This message is brought to you from the Tom Dana. Dana? Something must be wrong. She never calls. Dana? What's wrong? Take this down. 
She's stranded on the side of the road. I'm not. She needs us to send her an Amazon gift card. I don't. And she'll use it to pay the tow truck driver. I won't. Mom, Dad, that's not me. It's a scam. Scam artists will call, text, or email people trying to get them to buy a gift card from Amazon or some other company, and then ask for the gift card number over the phone. Remember, gift cards are for gifting, not for paying people. If someone asks for payment using a gift card from Amazon, Target, or some other store, it's a scam. Hang up or delete the message. These scammers are awful. Wish they'd pretend to be her brother sometimes. Be nice to hear from him. For more tips on avoiding scams, visit michigan.gov/ag for your connection to consumer protection. Oh, I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. I would like to take you to the opera where you are going to hear a Mozart opera, which is nothing but an opera written by Mozart. (laughs) This is an opera in one act, and it begins when the curtain rises... Otherwise, you couldn't see a thing. <laughs> the stage setting is a kind of a forest. There are two large trees, which, of course, indicates the forest. It's a kind of a small forest, but it's a forest. <laughs> First, the tenor comes in. He is supposed to meet his soprano, as they usually call those ladies. <laughs> but she's a little late this particular season, so he hides himself behind one of the trees in order to surprise her when she comes in a little later, which she does. So when she arrives, she can't find him because he is occupied behind one of the trees. <laughs> uh, he's with a knife carving her name into the <laughs> scenery. Now, she doesn't know that he is there, but... Uh, well, as a matter of fact, she must know it because she saw it during rehearsals. <laughs> Either she pretends that she doesn't know it or she's just plain stupid. <laughs> uh, whatever it is, she gets across the stage somehow and takes place behind the other tree, which for the occasion hides her. <laughs> to a certain extent. Now... The chorus comes in, but nobody knows why, except Mozart, and he is dead. (laughs) And that's just too bad. Next, her father comes in, and he is a very old man, primarily because she is a very old soprano. (laughs) And he is very angry because apparently she is not his daughter. Now, this has nothing to do with the opera. I found that out myself. (laughs) And that's what we call research. (laughs) Anyway, he decides that he has had enough of her, so he tells her to die, and that's exactly what she's going to (laughs) do. 
And with that, the opera ends and people can go home. Now I take you to the opera house where you hear the conductor's footsteps when he enters the orchestra pit. Here he comes. Yeah, he walks sideways. <laughs> and this is the overture. This, ladies and gentlemen, was the first part of the overture. Now you hear the second part, and that's exactly the same. little blip is an extra blip <laughs> we have in case we shoot one short of blips <laughs> but that has never happened so we have a lot of blips left over <laughs> now the curtain rises and the tenor arrives and he's a little tall fellow he comes in <laughs> he comes in from the left in a single file goes behind the tree right away. <laughs> now the leading lady arrives. She is supposed to fill the part of the soprano. Now she not only fills it, she overflows it a little bit. <laughs> She's a big husk, a big, uh, uh, she's a big soprano, that's what she is. She's what we call a messy soprano. She comes in in a single pile. She also arrives backwards, but nobody notices the difference. goes behind the other tree. <laughs> she can hardly wait because... Uh, see, she is... She supposedly hasn't... She hasn't met him for a long time, so she is just... She's anxious. Now is the time for the chorus. And the light is dimmed, so you can hardly see these people when they arrive, and that's why they're dressed in a kind of cheap underwear. <laughs> Because there is no reason to spend a lot of money for costumes when you can't see them. Right? And that's the way the management of this theater feels about it, and that's the way it's gonna be. <laughs> Here they come. Bread and butter. Now they're all in and they fool around in the dark for a little while. This is a mixed chorus. And butter. <laughs> now they're out, they get the money and go home. Next! 
A baritone comes in and sings, Torre ador, torre ador. But he finds out that he's in the wrong opera. <laughs> now, the father comes in, the old man, and he is the basso. now told her what he had to say and she understands him quite well so now she prepares herself to die but before she dies she sings an area the so-called die area <laughs> She seems very happy about it. She dies by stabbing herself between the two big trees. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner program. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed our guests. What a great lineup of people. Uh, Jeff, uh, or Jake rather, Krasik, and uh, we had, uh, who else did we have? Oh yeah, Danielle um, Clayton, and uh, this last hour with uh, Stephanie Grace. It was a great, uh, great lineup today. Anyway, tomorrow's Armchair Politics. We're going to start out talking about the economy with Chris Douglas. I hope you'll uh, join us for that. In the meantime, uh, good night, everybody.
the program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner program. And thanks for listening.